0: Welcome to this podcast of the Grazia Dio Business Review. This is Audra Quinn, Managing Editor of the GBR, and I'm here today with Kenneth A. Fox, MBA and Managing Partner of The Soundings Group, which is a business strategy marketing consulting firm. Thank you so much for being with us today, Ken.
1: Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad to be here.
0: Great. So Ken is the author of Learn to Expect the Unexpected in Global Retail Expansion, which offers some lessons on global retail expansion using real world examples of how different companies have succeeded and failed in the global sphere. And this article can be found in volume 14, issue four of the Grazi Dio Business Review at gbr.pepperdine.edu. All right. So, Ken, could you first share with us a little bit about your background and how you became interested in global expansion and specifically in retail?
1: Sure. I operate a a business strategy and consulting firm based in Charleston, South Carolina. We specialize in new business opportunity identification, market entry, strategy development, value proposition, optimization, and marketing guidance. And my work during this time in the past has taken me around the world. And I've seen a lot of businesses operating and um, um, became very interested in the international uh, business world because of my travels and because of my experiences, uh, which I enjoyed very, very much. And uh, in retail, I really got interested in retail um, when I lived in China. I taught an MBA class in China between January and March 2011. And during that time, I really got very interested in seeing, actually seeing and walking through stores uh, in China, in Shendu, China, and how they, they were different than the United States. So you walk in a Walmart in China, and every aisle has a person stationed on the, in the aisle to answer questions and merchandise products because mm-hmm. the population is so great, and um, just just seeing changes. and. Uh, things that you would not expect in the United States, but adapting to the the, the local market uh, just just fascinated me. And and that really piqued my interest in uh, in retailing.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. You you see kind of the the cookie-cutter Walmart here in the United States, and you just assume it's that way everywhere, but that is very much not the case.
1: Right, right.
0: So can you tell us some of the biggest mistakes that you've seen companies make in expanding globally?
1: Yeah, there's certainly been a number of them, a lot in advertising, um, and also in uh, other, other steps. Um, just, just a few of them, and some of them retailing, some of them not. You know, the, the classic one that we teach in marketing classes, international marketing classes, is General Motors, when they launched Chevrolet, their Nova, N-O-V-A model uh, in Mexico in South America. It was translated in Spanish as Nova, which means it doesn't go which is totally <laughs> the right. opposite of what they would want. Even when KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken, um, ex- they experienced real problems in, in China when they first wanted to communicate their slogan, their advertising slogan, finger-looking-good. It came out in Chinese as, eat your fingers off. And they had <laughs> to on that one. But uh, one, one of the things that uh, I'll talk about in my article that uh, also was... What's well, something I think that was real big and indicative of perhaps some of the companies not doing their homework is uh, when Walmart opened up in South Korea. They used the shelving, the store shelving, from their stores in the United States, and the shelves were too high for the short South Korean female shoppers, which who couldn't right. reach products on the shelf. Uh, you know, these are some things that that you read about and see. Or um, when Walmart entered, first entered Brazil, they sold golf clubs in their stores and there was no golf courses or it wasn't a popular game in Brazil. Same thing in Mexico. Walmart offered uh, ice skates in Mexico when they first opened up and there's no ice skating rinks in this country of Mexico. These are some of the kinds of things you see and, and sometimes wonder, you know, did they really do their homework or could they have done a better job to to avoid some of those kinds of things. And I think language is one, and I think, you know, culture is another, and just shopping behavior and expectations, meeting those expectations in different countries. is just so important to understand before you have a presence there.
0: Definitely. So, yeah, you talk about doing your homework before entering a new global market, and in the article, which, um, by the way, again, is at gbr.pepperdine.edu, you include a list of lessons or key takeaways, and I I would say that doing your homework is arguably the most important. Um, So what exactly is involved in doing this homework? How do you get this insider look into a culture?
1: Right. You really have to go to that market, visit that market, spend time in that market, uh, whether you live with people or not doesn't have to be, but you really have to watch how people shop, how people buy, how people consume products, and most importantly, you really need to have uh, expert help, local people in that country to work with you to, who speak the language, who understand the culture and the nuances, and to make sure that um, some of the things your company is thinking about is not going to be a negative or not going to be a barrier to success. There are certain, certain things, even we don't think about, certain colors in China are negative. The color white is a, is a sign of mourning in China, and the mm. color red is for good luck, and the color gold is for good luck. The Chinese flag is, is gold and, and, uh, and uh, red. And those are the good luck colors in China. But um, if you have something in black, something in white, it, those are not good colors. And numbers are also. So certain numbers are not good. Certain colors are not good. And certain companies have made mistakes with uh, those kind of colors. And, um, again, that's just a small, a small thing. I also, also think about, um, you know, a lot of market research can be done in the countries to really understand nuances in terms of what people perceive and think about uh, associations with, let's say, an American or a U.K. company or the, or the slogans they use or the, or the name of the company. So language is so important, and we never, we never really uh, sometimes do not uh, study that enough. Uh, as I mm-hmm. just mentioned, the Nova Chevrolet problem in Mexico, when you think about GM, shouldn't they have known better? to launch a Chevrolet Nova in, in Mexico and in South America where it translated in Spanish it's a negative term. So you want sure. to make sure your brand name, there's no negative connotations. That's the key, key, key thing. The mm-hmm. other thing is to never, never underestimate competition. And I think one needs to better understand competition. And by competition, it doesn't mean just getting the facts off the internet but really visiting those stores, speaking to shoppers, or speaking to people that have worked at those stores and understand, you know, the loyalties that uh, people have with, let's say, a store in the country that you're going to be competing against. I always tell my students, never underestimate competition. And uh, I I keep feeling that that's really true. And even though people sometimes rush to think they understand competition because they list them, it doesn't mean they understand the strengths, and um, what really goes on in, uh, in competition. And people are creatures of habit like we are. And internationally, there are different habits. And some of those shopping behaviors, habits, are very difficult to break, uh, whether it be a loyalty or whether it be a, a nearby shopping in a mom-and-pop versus a bigger store. And I think um, being aware of these nuances and being aware of, of international and, and different languages, culture, symbolism uh, are all key to understanding uh, a new market entry, in addition to understanding regulatory legal issues uh, as well.
0: So Mm -hmm. I hope that
1: that helps give you a little feel.
0: Yeah, definitely. A lot of layers of complexity there.
1: Right, and market research goes all over the board. You do do expert interviews. You can do focus groups with consumers in, in the local language, which I've done. And also, uh, obviously, quantitative studies to find out about loyalty. And in countries like China and India, so big and complicated, um, you really have to take in consideration different languages and different um, uh, dialects and different culture, parts of culture that vary even within one country as well.
0: mm mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. So in the article, uh, one company that you discuss is Tesco, which is a U.K. grocery chain that launched Fresh and Easy here in the States. And It seems like they tried to do their homework. They they did their due diligence, but still ran into problems. So what were some of the biggest issues there that we can learn from?
1: Right. It's interesting. Fresh and Easy, owned by Tesco, which is the third largest retailer in the world, as you said, based in the U.K., um, decided to enter the United States very carefully – um, by opening up a uh, facility, test facility, buying a warehouse in Southern California, creating their store uh, actually inside that warehouse, sending people, executives from Tesco in the UK to the United States to live with people in Southern California to watch what they were doing, and um, um, they they really tried to do their own homework. But in retrospect, they've had some problems, some serious problems. Besides the financial crisis, which came about just when they launched their, their, um, their stores, their fresh and easy stores, um, and, and they only launched in, in California, Nevada, and Arizona. Uh, that's their kind of test markets in the United States. Uh, they only sent expats, that is, people from the United States, to run the stores. And I think that was a potential problem. They really needed to hire someone in the United States that was, either, that was very familiar with the, the retailing environment and again the culture and um, things that uh... someone should know in california someone should know about competition uh... i think that there was uh, some issues with their locations they found locations that had been abandoned by um, grocery stores or small markets that went out of business and some of those locations apparently on the wrong side of the street that where people would not stop or pass by when uh, going home for dinner let's say And, uh, uh, you know, they also shrunk wrap uh, fruits and vegetables like in plastic where we in the United States usually typically, you know, want to see a piece of fruit or want to see a tomato and hold it or squeeze it or whatever and buy it. So they shrunk wrap uh, these things, and uh, that's not really customary. They also use their own brand name the test the fresh and easy brand name uh, a lot in their products. And people didn't know that brand name, didn't know what to expect. So they didn't use as much big brand names that that we were used to. Um, And the other things they had, they didn't use uh, credit cards initially. Now they do. Uh, Some of the store floors were were concrete and and stark. Um, So so I think that they could have made um, some additional uh... changes or things that could have increased consumer uh... acceptance and make it more appealing for consumers to come back to these stores and uh... i think they probably they probably missed some of that somewhere along the lines so they've had a combination of of, of coming out during the uh, economic financial crisis and um, perhaps not picking the best locations and also could have optimized maybe the insides of the store what we call atmospherics and layout and offerings to study uh, to study their market before they open, they seem to have made changes now, but they could have made changes maybe early on through a smaller test market.
0: Right. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they fare in the future. Great. So these are some of the problems that different companies have had. Can you give listeners an example of a company who's done this really well?
1: Yeah, it's really it's really nice to have a success story. I like <laughs> talking about success stories.
0: But, um, <laughs>
1: You know, I think that um, I think that the uh, the company that owns a company called Yum Brands, Y U M, which owns KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken, and they uh-huh. own um, Taco Bell, they own Taco Bell, and they own the uh, the Italian restaurant, the Pizza Hut chain, and um, they've been really, really successful in China. Uh, they've adapted to the Chinese market. Taco Bell is not in China for example but KFC is and um, Pizza Hut is Pizza Hut for example in China is very different than the United States. It's almost like a family dining restaurant with a much more expanded menu than you find in the US more than just mm-hmm. pizza mm-hmm. and they offer wine and beer. they offer a lot of Chinese dishes, Chinese toppings on pizzas and other kinds of Chinese food, Italian, Italianized Chinese foods that have been uh, very appealing to, to uh, Chinese uh, consumers. And when mm-hmm. I was in the KFC in, in China, the KFC's families are there, children, buckets of chicken, and they also have some uh, spicy things that are not on the menu in the United States. And they've even launched, uh, I think, hamburgers and french fries in, in China, which they don't have in KFC stores here. I think McDonald's is another one. That has done really well in um, in in China, China, or, and, and also um, McDonald's has done really well in uh, in in Russia. They have a one thousand seat um, uh, McDonald's in Beijing and in uh, I'm sorry, Moscow, in Moscow, and mm-hmm. uh, they had to teach the Russians how to make the rolls, the bread and the potatoes grow certain potatoes, but they worked hard and planned properly and really have been very, very successful in Russia, which is an expanding market. So those are a few that come to mind, the Yum! Brands, KFC, Pizza Hut, and um, and McDonald's have done really well. Zara, which I'll talk about in the article, is uh, a retail store from Spain that's done extremely well all over the world and um, has done their homework and uses their store Their store staff is kind of their reconnaissance intelligence to help them determine styles um, that are appealing to local customers, and uh, they offer different um, product lines that ship into those stores twice a week, Uh, so very, very successful. Mm -hmm. That has been Zara's
0: plan. Yeah, very interesting examples. Great. So kind of in the way of conclusion, um, the world is obviously becoming more interconnected and the market is becoming more globalized. How important do you think it will be for companies to start building global expansion into their strategies in the future?
1: I think it's going to be critical. I I think that um, it's going to be critical as companies, especially retailers, um, kind of saturate their local markets or uh, reach reach a, a time when their sales really plateau. Uh, you see this with Walmart entering South Africa now most recently, and uh, I think it's going to be increasingly important um, where companies are looking for growth and looking for growth, you know, big growth, meaningful growth, not just a little tweak. I think are going to look outside the, the United States, and it's also refreshing and interesting that you're going to see um, uh, countries also making progress. Uh, right now, as we as we as we write this article, publish this article, Russia has has is is on the doorsteps of entering the World Trade Organization the first time, and um, you know hopefully when that happens, Russia might be more appealing to do business with, and we'll, and, and anyone doing trade with Russia will have recourse by going to the WTO to negotiate any uh, any problems they might have. So I think it's going to be increasingly important for any company and. As, uh, as I talk about when I, when I teach international business, a lot of barriers have come down. Uh, India is one of the ones that's, that's a little tough to enter. Uh, there's also officially 16 languages in India, so it's a little tricky. But um, hmm. I think it's going to be more and more important as companies expand globally, and people get experience and confidence in terms of taking their business to other markets. So I, I think you're going to see more and more of this happening across the board, not only with retailers, but other companies as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Ken, and, and sharing with our listeners some of your expertise. We really appreciate it.
1: You're welcome. I, I, I'm glad I could do this.
0: Yeah. And for you listeners, be sure to check out the full-length article, Learn to Expect the Unexpected in Global Retail Expansion, at gbr.pepperdine.edu. Thanks for tuning into this podcast of the Grazia Dio Business Review.